Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. I want to get into this message. Um, I promise I'm going to let you out in time for Mother's Day brunch, so don't worry. It'll be a like, short little devotion. But uh, I just have one verse to kick us off, and it's found in Romans 8, verse 28. So you can find your way there in your Bibles if you brought your Bible with you. We'll put the words on the screen for you. And uh, this is maybe the verse that you want to remember today. If your kids forget to say thank you for giving life to me, Uh, This is the verse you might want to remember if your husband says something stupid and he doesn't even know what he said or why he did it so he can't apologize. Just remember this verse. This is whatever situation you're dealing with today, whatever you're going through, uh, you might just want to underscore and highlight this verse in your Bible, write it down and look it up later. This is what it says. We are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. Now, because I just have one verse, I wanna read it again for maximum impact. (laughs) Let me read it to you one more time. We are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything, to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. So even that thing that had you crying last week, even that thing that's kept you up for the last three nights, even that situation that you're in now that you never planned to be in, even that thing, Scripture says that God is able to make everything, even that thing, work together. Make something beautiful out of it. So I want to talk about that thing today. You got that thing in your mind? You got that thing? I want to talk about that thing, and I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, that can be arranged. That can be arranged. Have you ever had somebody say that to you? That can be, it almost sounds sinister, like that can be arranged. It's like if you have some, you got in fight with somebody, talk to your friend about it, it's like, man, I just wish I could, you know, like kill this, it makes me so mad. Like, that can be arranged. Like, what? What kind of friend are you? Stop this. Just joking. All right, hey, let's pray. Let's ask God for his help today. And uh, I believe God's gonna speak to you. Would you bow your head with me? God, we thank you so much. We thank you that every time we open up your word, you speak to us and we are asking God that you would do it again. We recognize that there's lots of things that bring us to church, but God, we come because most of all, we need to hear from you. So God, use me today. I don't want it to be my own ideas, opinions. I don't want it to be speaking from from words I've written down, but God, I I want you to speak through me today, and I believe you will. Speak to every heart here, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees can say amen. Hey, how many of you are planners? Can I see all the planners in the house? You notice that um, a lot of women are raising their hand for planners. We've got some guys that are planners. You know, my wife and I, we are different in many ways, but one of the things we have in common is that we are both planners, both planners. I, now, we plan different things, of course. Um, like my wife, like she'll, she'll plan you know, schedules, she'll plan meals, she'll plan events. I tend to plan uh, more long-term things. You know, like, well, she'll make lists, I make strategies. 
you know, I plan for retirement, she plans to enjoy it. Um, those kind of things that we, we just, you know, we make plans. You know, it's just, you know, it's a gift, strength. We believe in soaring with your strengths. And so uh, that's what she does. And, and well, we're both planners, but we, we plan different things. And I think there's probably nothing more frustrating for a planner than when you have something not go according to plan. Anybody relate to that, any of our planners? I don't, and I don't care whether you've put like just a little bit of time into it or whether you've put hours into it or whether you've put, like, uh, you know, it's, we're almost entering into wedding season. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if that's an actual thing. It's just what I call it, uh, wedding season, when you get all these invitations to go to these weddings. And uh, when I do weddings, I always tell the couple, like, look, I know you put a lot of planning into this, but I can assure you something is gonna go wrong. Like at least one thing, just, just know that, write it down, something's gonna go wrong. It's just, it's so frustrating to plan something and have it not go that the way that you planned. And usually the case with my wife and I is we plan things. Our frustration is we don't take each other, uh, each other's plans into consideration when planning. Like, you know, she'll, she'll be planning uh, like a day of yard work and I'm planning like a day of relaxation. And uh, of course she always wins because um, uh, it's just, that's the way it goes. But within this, uh, I've noticed in my relationship with God that God plans for some things that I don't always plan for. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, I, I see it in this verse. I want to read it to you again. He says, we're confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. So in other words, we have our plans, but when we accept the invitation to live according to God's plan, that, that's when God can take the things that even seem like setbacks and turn them into setups for his purpose. That's when he can take those things that you didn't want to happen, you didn't want to experience, and he can, he can really make something beautiful out of it. He can take all these different things and, and, and make this beautiful arrangement. And you might wonder, how do I know this? Well, the guy who wrote this was a guy by the name of Paul. You've probably heard me talk about Paul before. Paul was this guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was greatly used by God, planted many churches, preached the gospel all over. And, and Paul was this guy who knew something about suffering setbacks. In fact, I talked about Paul, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago. You guys remember when I talked about Paul six, seven weeks ago? Please raise your hand. That's good for my self-esteem. Um, if not, I'll just re-preach that message. But I, I talked about him uh, six, seven weeks ago, and, and he was on this ship. He was on this boat, and he suffered shipwreck. Do you remember that? It, it wasn't part of the plan. Well, I want to finish what I started with that message. This would be the sequel. This is part two. And if you remember that story, Paul was on a boat. He was headed to Rome, but this wasn't a cruise ship. He, he was a prisoner on this ship and he hadn't even done anything wrong. He was in prison for preaching the gospel. Now he's on his way to Rome, uh, awaiting trial before Caesar. And while he's on his way, they encounter this crazy storm. The storm uh, blows the ship all over. And, and it's one of those situations, Luke, who was writing it, he says that they'd given up all hope. In other words, this had been going on for a while. This wasn't just like a, a little storm that had blown through. It's, it's when they didn't see any end inside. It, it was that kind of thing. They, they'd given up hope believing that things were ever gonna be any different and just in that moment, 
where it looked like their situation was over, uh, God spoke to Paul in a really powerful way. And I want to read this just for context before I get into the heart of what I want to tell you. But uh, in Acts 27, verse 21, it says, After they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice. And that's why I knew this was going to be a good Mother's Day sermon, because, ladies, you can just write that down and you have a word from God today to do whatever you want to do. Just say it says in Scripture, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. And then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you, keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I Serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, man. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So Paul, as spiritual as he is, apparently he's not above telling some people, I told you so. Because you see, like, this is not his fault that he's in this situation. He had warned them earlier that this was going to happen, but they didn't want to listen to Paul. It was the result of their own stupid decision that now they're in this situation. Have you ever gone through a storm because of somebody else's dumb decision? Don't raise your hand too fast on that. Otherwise, it's going to make an awkward drive home. I'm just telling you, <laughs> see some elbows flying. But I'm just saying that not everything that happens to you is because God wanted it to happen. And on the other side of that, of course, not everything that happens to you is because the devil did it. See, sometimes I think we got the wrong word because they both start with a D. But lots of times it's not the devil. It's our own dumb decision. Now, nobody likes to hear that. It's like, you're saying this is my fault? But I'm just telling you, like, you have to be able to take responsibility for some of those things that happen for the situation. Not easy to receive. We don't want to take responsibility. But this is what I'm trying to say is that you can't get over what you're unwilling to own. So sometimes we're, we're in this situation and we're praying for deliverance, but what we need to pray for isn't deliverance. What we need to pray for is discipline <laughs> because faith can't fix what you won't face. And so if you find yourself in a situation that is the result of your own dumb decision, you just need to recognize like, all right, maybe, maybe I put myself in, in this place. But what Paul is saying here is, hey, guys, it didn't have to go this way. It didn't have to happen. And that's the hardest for me. You ever been there? When you find yourself in a place and, like, you know it could have been avoidable. But nevertheless, because of the circumstances, now it's inevitable. That, that, that's the frustration and I see in this text that's the tension is that the situation was avoidable but now it's it, it's inevitable he said it it didn't have to happen but it will happen just as God told me and whenever you find yourself there I think the place that a lot of us get stuck is well why is this happening right like okay was it my own fault did I do this was it somebody else's dumb decision? Was it the devil? Is, is God orchestrating this thing? But you see, I've, I've walked with God long enough now that I realize I don't have to figure out whether God did it, 
the devil did it or I did it or, or, or somebody else did it. Because regardless of the reason, I've found reassurance. You see, I've learned that God can even use somebody else's dumb decision to get me where I need to be. See, I, I, I've seen this. Like, think about Joseph. You guys know who Joseph was in the Bible? Coat of many colors, kid. Where, where he went, he, his brothers hated him. They sold him into slavery. Well, first they threw him in a pit. Then they sold him into slavery, Potiphar's house. I mean, things just go, like, from bad to worse for this guy. When he's a slave, he's falsely accused. He's thrown in prison because of this. While he's in prison, it looks like there's an opportunity for him to get out, but he's forgotten about. They don't remember him. Finally, one day comes where, where he's in the palace, and he actually has opportunity to exact revenge on his brothers. And they're freaking out because they think oh, he's finally going to take his strike at us. And he says, hey, don't worry about it because what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Well, which is it? Is it evil or is it good? Well, it's both. Well, why can't that stuff that happened in your life, why, why can't it be both? Well, why can't it be evil, something that the devil did to try and take you out, but why can't God use it actually for good? Well, why can't he work it out and create something beautiful? Why can't he still move it towards his purpose for your life? Why can't it be both? And that's what Paul is saying, saying, hey, don't, don't blame God on this. God's not orchestrating this. We didn't have to go through this way. Nevertheless, an angel came, he spoke to me and said that this is gonna happen. He reminded me that my purpose is still intact regardless of the situation. And it's funny because when you read that, God doesn't give Paul an explanation. He doesn't give him a bunch of reasons. Instead, what he gives him is a revelation. And a revelation is always better than a reason because sometimes you're not gonna know the reason. Sometimes you're not gonna know why you had to go through why you went through that whole thing. Sometimes you're not gonna know why you find yourself in that place. But see, uh, revelation is powerful and, and God is, is so strategic about this. He'll, he'll actually create situations just to give you a revelation of who he is. You don't believe me? Think about Jesus. Jesus, in the book of John, New Testament, Jesus had this friend, Lazarus. Lazarus says that Jesus loved Lazarus, and Lazarus was sick, and Lazarus ended up dying. And the crazy thing about this is Jesus could have healed Lazarus. Like, like, that's what Jesus was known for. That's what he did. He went about doing good and healing everybody who was sick. And, and sometimes he wasn't even present. Like, he would just speak the word and somebody would be healed. And so even if he couldn't have got to Lazarus, he, he could have just spoken healing. But he, he didn't go to Lazarus. He actually waited. And when they come to Jesus and say, Lazarus, they say, Jesus, your friend Lazarus has died. Do you know what Jesus said? He says, I'm glad it happened. What? Why, like, like, why would you say, like, I'm glad it happened? Because he's created a situation. And it's that situation that enables the revelation. See, up until that point, they had only knew, known Jesus as a healer, but now they're about to know him as the resurrection. And so it's that situation that 
enables a revelation. It's that disappointment that enables discovery of, of who God is. And lots of times when you find yourself in a place where you never planned to be, you didn't want to be there, I'm just telling you that, that God wants to give you a revelation of who, who he is, where he says, you're still my child. You still belong to me. I still love you. I haven't forgotten about you. I said I would never leave you or forsake you. See, a, a revelation is so much more powerful than a reason. And when you get into trouble, you need to remember that. So Paul says, hey, we're going to make it, but the boat isn't. We're going we're to lose everything, but we're not going to lose what's most important. That's a promise. And now I can tell you the second half of this story. Because they got to the shore just as Paul said they would. And they got on that island. And you see it in Acts 28, verse 1. This is where I want to begin reading. It says, when they got there, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Now, it must have been a relief for them, like to go from this crazy storm to finally be on dry ground, to go from a place where they hadn't been eating for many days, to go from a place where they thought there was no hope, to go from a place where they thought this was the end, everything is over, and now they finally, like they're on shore, they, they, they must have thought like they could relax and the worst was over. So especially in the next verse, it says, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. So they get there and there's some people there. And the interesting thing about this, it says islanders, but that word actually in the Greek means barbarians. Uh, That's the Greek word. The, the reason it uses that word is because uh, they didn't speak the same language. And I'm pointing that out to you so you know that what Paul is saying and what Luke is saying, who's writing this, he's saying like they were in an unfamiliar place. It was an unfamiliar language. And I'm just pointing that out to you because lots of times we think of Malta and we're like, hey, isn't that that island kind of over by Italy? Isn't that like some kind of Mediterranean paradise? But, but for Paul, he, he would have thought, this is an unusual place, an unfamiliar place. I've never been here before. Not only that, but it says they built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Now, I want to stop for a minute because can we just empathize with Paul for just a minute? It's Mother's Day. I think moms are so good at this. Let's just empathize with Paul for a minute. And I want to think about all the stuff that he went through. Think about this. Like, we think of how he was. He, he was on that ship that he was never supposed to be on. He, he was thrown into prison, not because he did anything wrong, but because he was preaching the gospel. Falsely accused, wrongly accused. He was in this limbo state for two years. Finally, he gets expedited to Rome to await trial before Caesar. But while he's on his way there, they encounter a storm. Now, the reason that they encounter the storm is because they didn't listen to him. It's somebody else's dumb decision. They've gone days without food. Not just the storm, but they actually suffer shipwreck. I talked to you before about how they, they had to make it to the shore just based off hanging on to the pieces of wood and the shattered pieces that, that remained. And all of this is going on. And so while this is happening, <laughs> he finally gets there. And he's in a place that's unfamiliar. And I bring that up because I just wonder, like, how, how many of you have ever been in a place that's unfamiliar? 
You didn't plan on getting there. Wasn't part of your game plan. Not only that, but now he's, he's shivering and cold. He's wet. I mean, just survive this. And, and he gets there, and it's this, this unfamiliar place. Have you ever been in a place where, like, life, it just doesn't go as, as planned? That, that's Malta. Have you ever been to Malta? I'm not talking geographically. I'm just saying, have you ever been in that place where it's, you never planned to be there. You didn't expect to be 35 and not married. You didn't expect to be you know, married for 20 years and now you're getting divorced. You never expected to get laid off from your job. It wasn't part of your plan. Like you've seen other people go through that, that emotional state, but you didn't plan on going through that. I mean, you've seen other people be depressed. You never planned on being depressed. Like you've seen other people's kids go crazy, but you thought your kids were gonna act the right way. Like you never planned on, on experiencing that. You, you didn't see that thing coming. It's that season that you've been in that, that just, it's like one thing after another, after another, that, that, that place where you thought somebody who would be there for you is no longer there for you. That's, that's Malta. Have you ever been to Malta? What is someone as important as Paul doing in a place as insignificant as Malta? Because I mean, if anybody like was used by God, like if anybody had like God's protection, like God's hand on their life, like it was Paul. He, he, he knew where he was supposed to, he had this, an angel appear to him and, and tell him he was supposed to go to Rome and now he's way off course. Well, let's find out. So the islanders, they were kind to the prisoners. They built a fire and Paul was so thoughtful. I mean, even after like surviving the shipwreck, he decides he's gonna help out. So it says, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. Now, this would be comical if you haven't been here, where it's just like one thing. I mean, the hits keep coming for this guy. He can't get a break. He goes from wrongfully imprisoned, going through a storm, shipwrecked, you know, just washing up on shore, shivering and cold, you know, stuck and stranded. Now he's going to build a fire and he gets bit by a snake, a poisonous snake. Paul's just trying to be a nice guy. It's like, I'm just going to help out. It's going to, you know, speed this process up. And he gets bit. And the Bible says it fastened itself to his hand. In other, in other words, it was there for a while. It wasn't just like a bite and let go. I mean, this thing is like hanging from his hand. And that's why I want you to notice what the people did. Because you got to be careful about listening to people when you're in this situation, because people are always gonna get it wrong about you. Like, like people, are, they're always gonna share their opinion about why you're in the situation that you're in. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, if I was them, I mean, they're not gonna say it to your face, but they're thinking it. And so they're always gonna, they're gonna say, you know, the reason bad things happen is because it's something that you did. And the Islanders, they're watching this guy who's got a snake dangling from his hand, just crawled out of the water, 
And he claims to be a preacher. I mean, he claims to be a servant of God. But I mean, if he's really a servant of God, then, then why isn't God protecting him? So they stood back. You know, they're kind of just drawing their own conclusions. This guy must have done something wrong. This guy must be a murderer. This, this guy, he must have done something to deserve this. I mean, clearly, it's his fault. He had to do something to end up there. It says, when the islanders, they saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for, he, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. I, don't, I wonder what you would do if you're in this situation. You've gone through all these events and <laughs> you thought, you didn't even think you were going to make it this far. And now you're here in this poisonous viper it's hanging from your hand all while you were trying to help out. And I love what Paul did next because in the next verse, he, he preaches, I think, probably the greatest sermon in the New Testament. He says, look, guys, the players, they're going to play, 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 play. And, and the haters, they're going to hate, 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 hate. I know it's a throwback, but just work with me. He said, he said but doesn't your Bible say this? It's the TSV, the Taylor Swift version. He says, but I'm just going to, if you, if you can quote it, you can quote it with me. I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. I'm just going to shake, shake, shake it off. But that's what he said. So Paul, he shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Now, I just got to point out to you that Paul's faith didn't keep the snake from biting him. In fact, just let's go through this whole thing. His faith didn't keep him from going into prison didn't keep him from the storm, didn't keep him from the shipwreck, didn't keep him from getting in an unfamiliar place. His, snake, his faith didn't keep the snake from biting him, but his faith did keep him from getting bitter, even though he got bit. So after this, he shakes the snake off. These people, they're just hanging back, and they're saying, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. And they expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a God. See, that's why you can't put your confidence in people because sometimes people will love you and sometimes people will leave you. So sometimes people are, are gonna you know, think you're a murderer and sometimes they're gonna think you're a God and both of them are wrong. And, and they're gonna have all these wrong opinions, but he shakes the snake off. He doesn't die. And I wanna give you something that's gonna help you when you find yourself in Malta. You find yourself in that unfamiliar place. You find yourself in that situation that you never planned to be in because we all go through Malta. Paul didn't decide to go there, but he has a decision to make once he's there, and here's what it is. It's will he wallow in his misery or will he walk out his mission? And where you're at right now, maybe you didn't plan to be there, but I'm wondering, are you gonna wallow in your misery or are you gonna walk out your mission? See, he didn't do anything to deserve this. We see all these things that happened. He didn't decide to be in Malta, but now that he's there, he's got to make a decision. You know, he was supposed to be preaching the gospel. He's like, well, I'm here. Maybe I just should live out my mission while I'm here. And it's interesting because apparently the islanders, they, they hear about this whole thing and, and uh, 
Well, the chief of the island, he wants to have dinner now with Paul. He heard about this guy who could stand after being bit by a poisonous snake, and he wants to talk to this guy, survive the shipwreck. And what's interesting is, is Paul's given a new opportunity. His opportunity came after his adversity. So many times we want more opportunities, but what we don't recognize is lots of times the way it works with God is he doesn't take us from opportunity to opportunity. He usually takes us from opportunity to adversity. And you endure that adversity, well, then that creates a new opportunity. And so he endures this adversity. He, he gets this opportunity, and it says that there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius. It's a great baby name if you're looking for one. Uh, the chief official of the island. And this guy, uh, he, he was important. He wants to meet Paul. And it says, he welcomed us to his home, showed us a generous hospitality for three days. Now, probably at this point, I'm thinking Paul is like enjoying this. He's like, finally, like finally, I'm able to just like kick back and relax. Finally, like something good has happened. But it's interesting because while he's there, he discovers that Publius has a problem. And it says in verse eight, his father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Now, I don't know how what happened next, but I imagine maybe they're there, they're having a meal, they're hanging out, and somehow it comes up in the conversation, Publius is saying, yeah, I'm sorry, my, my dad, he wished he could be here, he'd really like to meet you, but he's sick, he, he couldn't make it. Paul's like, tell me about this. Well, you, you see, he's got this disease and there's, we've tried everything, there, there's nothing we can do for him. And that had to be the point that Paul must have smiled because he's thinking, I, I get it now. I see it now. I know why I'm here now. Because it says he went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. Now that's pretty amazing to think that after all of this, Paul is able to do ministry. But what I think is more amazing is that the same hand that got bit was the same hand that brought healing. And I wonder if after going through everything that you've gone through, being in a place that you never planned to be, I, I, I wanna tell you that even that thing, even that can be arranged to be part of God's plan. Even that can be, even that God can use because it says when this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. See, what seemed like a mistake turned into a miracle that turned into a mission. This one chance encounter, this place he never should have been, never planned on being, he said, look, I never planned on being here, but now that I'm here, who can I heal? So it wasn't part of my game plan, but now that I'm here, God, how can you use me? And he could have sat there on Malta, moping. He could have posted on Facebook about his status and hoped that people would comment, and I'm so sorry about what happened to you. But instead of that, he turned it into a mission, and the whole island got healed. And I wonder, have you ever thought that maybe what you went through wasn't even about you? Like, maybe... God was able to orchestrate everything. It's like, hey, there's, these guys made a bad decision, but you know what? There's this island here and 
there's this place that hasn't heard the gospel yet, and there's this guy who's sick, and God can orchestrate everything to work for good, make something beautiful out of it. I want you to realize today that there's healing in your hands. That maybe even that place seemed like the storms blew you there. You didn't have a choice in being there. It's not, nothing worse than going through something to arrive only to be bit by a viper. But I want to tell you that that can be arranged. That even if God allowed it, if you can accept it, the invitation to live according to his plan, you don't have to worry about the reasons because God can bring the results.